We're almost 10 years, uh, anniversary-wise, away from uh, a, a kind of a dark moment in our uh, nation's financial history. Anybody ever heard of this guy named Bernie Madoff? I was just thinking about this the other day. What a great last name for what he did, Madoff. I mean, he literally made off with $65 billion. Uh, he's serving 150 years in prison right now for 11 counts of fraud. If you're unfamiliar with the story, he is uh, the master of the greatest Ponzi scheme in American financial history. He built his 4,800 uh, very affluent uh, constituents, his, his clients, uh, from uh, $65 billion on paper, $18 billion in literal funds lost. Put your head around that for a second. $18 billion with a B dollars that he built from his clients. Fraud is just another uh, word for what we're going to talk about tonight. It's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a word for lying. Uh, or today, we're not tonight, that was last night. Uh, we're going to talk about false truths. And kind of, as we've been going through this uh, series on blocks, we've, we've understood that 1 Timothy, this letter that Paul wrote to his friend Timothy, a pastor in Ephesus, is, is about a whole bunch of different things. We've been preaching all through it, uh, how to, you know, the, the church is supposed to function in lots of different ways. But, but it's primarily a letter to warn him about false truths that are seeping into the church there in Ephesus and around at the first century church uh, that needed to be combated. Uh, lies are everywhere. Isn't it true? They're everywhere, and there's always people who are trying to, to dupe us and lead us away from truth. And false truth, ultimately, uh, in most cases, I, w- I would say probably all, there might be one you could argue, I always, always superlatives make me nervous, because everybody's, you know, there's probably people in here like, I can think of one. But probably in almost every case, false lo- truth leads us into destruction. The Madoffs of the world leave ruin in their wake. From the Garden of Eden until now, when the first lies were told and accepted to humanity, see Eve and Adam, false truth has been making a mess everywhere it's gone. I, uh, I've been the victim of false truth. Anybody here? Had people told me lies, assured me that it was going to work out great, and it didn't. I had a friend in high school named Marty. He, he was kind of my uh, puppet master. He, would, uh, he was a year older than me. He had the car, and so I'd get in the car with him, and then he'd concoct these harebrained plans uh, that you were surefire. There was no way it could ever fail, and then he'd get me to do it. I should have learned, like, after the first four or five times that I'm always the dummy who's doing the stuff, but it never occurred to me to... One, one time he had me... Uh, yeah, he said it, he thought it would be a great idea. Back before there were phones in everybody's pocket and you wanted to talk to your girlfriend, um, if, if it was past the time that she was allowed to use the phone, you had to literally go to her house and throw rocks at her window until she came out there so you could talk to her. Testify? Anybody with me on that one? Some of you have never thrown pebbles at a window. Please don't. It's illegal, I think, in most states. But uh, uh, where I lived in northern Maine, Marty thought it would be a great idea for him to go talk to his girlfriend, Dawn, and so we drove to her house, parked out by the road, walked up her front yard, and then started throwing pebbles at, at her window. No one was coming out. It was not being effective. So this was Marty's idea. I'm going to throw you up. There was, a, there was kind of a, uh, an outing. Yeah, no, it's going to get worse. There was a, kind of this, uh, this jutting out part. You know, sometimes there's like bay windows that are uh, below, you know, an upstairs window. And there's a roof, just a very small roof, probably two, three, four feet wide. But I'm going to, I'm going to throw you up on that roof just below Don's window. And you're going to actually knock on the window. And then she'll come out. And... Th- by the way, have I told you, this was all just so he could say goodnight. There was no plan beyond, hey, see ya. That was the whole thing. So he throws me up there. And I'm laying on this roof. And I was a smaller guy back then. 
but there still wasn't enough room for me to maneuver, so there was no way for me to actually, you know, tap on the window. So he's, he's giving me instructions from down there, and you've got to shift this way. And then all of a sudden, his face goes ash white, his eyes go as big as saucers, and he takes off across the front yard. And I'm like, where are you going? We're, trying to, we're doing that yell, whisper thing. Where are you going? I know where he was going. He was going to the car because he saw Don's mom in the window behind me holding a shotgun. And I didn't realize she was there until she banged on the window that I was keister next to and said, you better get out of here because it's loaded. I've called the cops. I got out of there. I rolled off that roof into a bush. And I don't know if my feet touched the front yard, but I was in the car. And the idiot that my friend Marty is was sitting there laughing. Oh, it's so great. And I just punched him for a month after that because I hated him. Yeah. He lied to me. He assured me all the way over that it's going to work great. There's no way this could fail. There's no, there's, he lied to me, and it also almost cost me my keister. Everybody is subjected to lies, and hopefully everybody has somebody in your life who's a shaker waker, someone who's a bell ringer, someone who is truth in the midst of your lies. Spouses, I hope you're that for each other. Parents, I certainly hope you're that for your kids. Kids, I hope you're that, you're a bell ringer for your parents. Because everybody is subject to falling into the haze that lies can tell. I wake up every, uh, every morning to this noise. Can you hear it? Some of you guys have that as your ringer. And so I'll hear that actually in like the place that I'm eating lunch and I'll be like, oh, who is that? <laughs> but that's what wakes me up every morning. It's what brings me out of my sleep. It's my alarm. And I pray that everybody here, as you sometimes, all of us are susceptible to kind of falling asleep in life, getting stuck in some lies, just being kind of unconscious in what those lies are bringing to our lives. I pray you've got people in your life that are uh, doing what my mom did for me my whole life. My mom, I would come to her, uh, whether uh, it was me coming to her or her coming to me. A lot of times, most of the time probably, it was her coming to me. But she would try to just address what was going on in my life. And she would always ask me this question. Whenever I gave her excuses or whenever I gave her the reasons for why I was choosing what I was choosing, doing what I was doing, she would always ask me this question. Hey, Mark, what is truth? What's the truth in this situation? I hear your excuses, Excuses serve only those who make a mark. What's the truth? And let's choose that instead. You know, I believe that's the role of the church. I hope you have someone like that personally in your life who will tell you the truth and be your shaker waker, sound the alarm, but, but the church certainly should play that role. The church should be a place where weekly we gather and everybody who's been sleeping and the lies that they've been told about themselves or about life or about God or whatever, they come in here and they get a dose of the truth in love. And the church has been given that mission. Jesus left and he said, hey man, go make disciples. Go make truth tellers out of other people. Tell them the truth so that they'll tell others the truth so that they'll tell others the truth and it goes on and on and on. I can't keep going. It's just it's how it's supposed to work though. We're here to proclaim the truth. But we're not just here to proclaim the truth. 
Proclaiming the truth is for the people who don't know it yet. Once you've found the truth, here's the deal. It's really easy to recede back into lies once you've received the truth. Isn't that amazing? Met someone like that who burned bright in their faith for Jesus for a time, but then got an idea, heard something from someone, decided that, uh, you know, these rules in the scriptures that were for everybody else, as he used to believe, were no longer for him or her, and off they went. Sheep tend to stray. So the church is here not just to proclaim the truth, but to propel those who are in the truth forward in the truth. Like it says in Hebrews, to spur and prod each other on towards love and good deeds, to, to be the uh, insister on the truth, to help people not get tripped up in this race that we run for our Savior Jesus as it depicts in Hebrews chapter 12. We're supposed to throw off everything that hinders and the sins that so easily entangles, the lies that stand in our way. It's the mission of the truth, or mission of the church is to proclaim and propel the truth. That's what Paul writes to Timothy about. He starts in chapter one, he says, Tim, stay there. There's some false teachers. Chapter one, you gotta you got make sure you stay there and you gotta make sure you controvert their, their endless genealogies and the myths that they're telling because man, the gospel is at stake. Christ moving forward in the church at Ephesus is at stake. If you're not there to tell the truth, who will? He's gonna pick up the same theme here in chapter four today. Tim, stay and fight. Understand. And these are the things we want to gather today as we, we move forward. We want to understand how false truth or lies, how they work, so that we can keep it from seeping into our lives. And we want to learn anew what the truth is so that we can defend it against false truth. And we want to leave committed to sustaining a life in truth. If, 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 if you have anything from me as your pastor, my hope for you is that once you have found the truth, that you'll live in it. Every sermon that I preach you is, is that. Know the truth, choose the truth, live the truth. So let's have another one of those sermons, shall we? Three things. First thing we're gonna learn today in 1 Timothy chapter four, if you have your Bibles, you can open them there with me. Is that false truth always follows the same recipe. It's predictable. It's always gonna work the same way. The same ingredients go into false truth. It says in verse one of chapter four of 1 Timothy. Now the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. Let's kind of cover this. First of all, Paul says, this isn't, this isn't my word, the Spirit has told me, whether he's referring to the Spirit uh, that had inspired Jesus himself to, to speak about the end times and how, you know, uh, in several different places in the book of Matthew and in Luke, he talks about the fact that in the end times, people are going to go skawonk. They're going to go crazy and follow all kinds of falsehoods. Maybe he's referring to that inspiration of the Spirit, or maybe he's referring just to something that he got from the Holy Spirit himself. He's saying, listen, man, this, is, this isn't Paul. This is the Spirit. Here's what he says, in the later times, when are the later times? Anybody know when the later times are? Usually when we hear those, those words in the Bible, we think like Revelation. We think when Jesus comes back, that's the later times. They're not here yet. Can I just correct you on that if that's what you've been thinking? The later times are the times that started at the end of Christ's uh, death and resurrection and his resurrection into the, uh, into the heavens. Uh, the later times, the clock started then. We have been living in the end times. A lot of the things that we see uh, scripture describe as the signs of the end have perhaps not occurred yet, but that doesn't negate the fact that we've been living with the clock ticking. Everybody understands that in heaven there's a clock somewhere, I picture, uh, that kind of says, you know, X amount of days until Jesus goes back. You know, maybe you've got a, a Christmas clock or, a, or something, you know, a, a countdown in your life. Uh, up in heaven, it's the countdown until the return of Christ. 
But that started. That started when he returned to heaven the first time. His second coming is imminent, and we live in those last times. So, so Paul says to Tim, the Spirit expressly says that in later times, some will depart from the faith. Some are going to believe lies. Some are going to abandon truth for false truth. They're going to do it in three ways. They're going to devote themselves uh, to deceitful spirits and to the teachings of demons. So that's warm and fuzzy for a Sunday morning. Uh, and they're going to get those deceitful uh, spirits and, and teachings from uh, hypocritical or insincere liars whose consciences are seer. So anybody ever watched cable and seen Chopped? It's a cooking show. Don't judge me, fellas, for watching a cooking show. But this is, this is how every episode of Char- Chop starts. Uh, these chefs are given you know, a kitchen to cook in, and they have no idea what they're going to cook with, and so they open these baskets, and inside are like, what is it, usually four ingredients? Well, we only got three here in Timothy, so I'm going to give you the three ingredients from my chopped basket as to what's going on. The first one is deceitful spirits. Picture cooking, Sherry. It's the best I could do. Deceitful spirits. The second one is hypocritical liars, represented here by this candy corn. We'll get to that in a second. <laughs> You're picking it up already? That's good. And the last one is a seared conscience. Here's an outback nine-ounce sirloin that's been cooked way too long. <laughs> Let's talk about them. Let's talk about them. The first one's deceitful spirits. Did you know that behind every lie that you ever believed is a demon? You're like, whoa, hey, slow your roll there, spiritual guy. No, we, we, we live in a spiritual war. It's raging around us right now. Do you know there's people in your row that uh, demons are whispering to saying, don't listen. Don't listen. He's stupid. He just put candy corn on the table. He's an idiot. Don't listen to him. You can't trust him. Trust your college professors. They know more. Trust your friends. Just look at Facebook. It'll be done in however long. Yeah, it's happening right now. I went to church my whole life, never heard a sermon. Because I would just, I mean, that's before we had electronics. I would just stare at knots in the ceiling and the pine. And the whole time, listen, I believe that that was a scheme of our adversary to make sure that from zero to 18, Mark never really had a pulse for Jesus. Because I, listen, I was in an angry Baptist church that was pretty boring. It was fertile ground. It was easy pickings. But he would just whisper things in my ear and say, this isn't for you. Every lie that you've ever believed. In fact, every sin that you've ever committed start with a, started with a lie that you believed about that sin that was going to make your life better, that no one would know. I'll totally get away with this. And at the heart of everything that's ever been wrong in humanity, there was first a lie. Satan and his, uh, his, his minions not the little yellow guys, but uh, the demons that uh, he employs. They're enemies of God. They're constantly lying to us in hope that we'll abandon God. Uh, he, he tries to drown out God's truth with his lies. Look what it says here in John chapter 8. Uh, Jesus has been talking to the religious leaders who eventually are going to be the ones uh, who, who capture him and, and sentence him to, him to death. Uh, these guys were dead set against Jesus from the beginning because he threatened everything that was their normal. He came against a lot of their teachings in their Jewish faith. He he certainly threatened their leadership as he drew followers unto himself. And so from the very get-go, they were dead set against Jesus. But Jesus, confronting them, tries to teach them the truth, and they just won't hear it. 
And so he asked him one day here in John 8, why do you not understand what I say? How come this is so hard? He says, well, I'll answer that for you. It's because you cannot bear to hear my word. You can't hear me. Why? Who's ever been in a, in a crowded place where you can't hear someone talk? Anybody ever been to a concert or a crowded you know, restaurant or something like that? The reason you can't hear people is not because you're like, la, 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 la. It's because there's other noise drowning them out. And the reason that people don't hear God or understand God or care to follow God is because there's a ton of lies and noise drowning his voice out. Jesus goes on, he says, you guys, your, your father's the devil. Have a nice day. You are of your father the devil, and your, your will is to do your father's desires. He's got you. He was a murderer from the beginning, and he has nothing to do with the, say it, truth, because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks out of his own character, out of his core, because he's a liar, verse 44 ends. He's a liar, and he's the father of lies. So Satan himself is a liar, but then get this. He is the progenitor of all lies. Lies exist, they come from him. He's the seed of all lies planted in life. That's why we gotta be so careful to check the fake news that's being dropped on us by our enemy. Rip that from the headlines. He's just looking for holes in hopes of leading us away. Last week I preached on marriage just briefly in, in the description that I gave you of an elder, the, I talked about my marriage to Eleanor. I got home after uh, preaching that message and Eleanor said, well, great. Now we're gonna get hammered this week. Because it's just how it works. If I get up and preach about marriage and its sanctity and how my commitment to marriage is what it is and what it should, you know, hope it's gonna be and all that stuff, we can just you know, count on the fact that our enemy is gonna hammer our marriage that week. And he did. He totally did. We're two tired individuals. We're both leading in places that uh, need a lot of us, that, takes away from our time together. Uh, we are both, listen, just like you, uh, Eleanor and I are both susceptible to the lies that go into our heads about our worth, about our abilities. I had questions this week about whether or not I should even be in ministry. Uh, I came back, I'm here, hi. So, uh, oh, thank you. No, that's not why I said that, but uh, <laughs> that's not why I said that. But it's uncanny. That, that when you, you talk a good talk and you, you believe a good talk, you're saying what you're saying from your heart, then Satan says, okay, get them. Go get them. They're getting too excited about this whole Jesus thing. We've got to knock them down a couple pegs. We've got to create some strife. We've got to ruin some stuff and get them wondering about whether or not they can even do this anymore. I was riding to church this morning, preached last night this message, and Feeling better, feelings aren't what I try to live my life on. I try to stick with the facts, man, stick with the facts. But feelings are a part of it. And I'm amazed at uh, how often in, in my dips, uh, God ministers to me in those moments. I'm, I'm not a huge uh, Christian radio fan, and don't judge your pastor by that. I, I think it's awesome. I just tend to listen to talk radio and other things like that, so I don't listen to Christian music in my car a whole bunch. But this morning, I turned it on. And I've never heard this song before, but it was a song taken from uh, Philippians chapter one. It talked about how um, we're unfinished, that God's still working on us. 
uh, that he who began a good work is going to be faithful to complete it. And I drove from where I live down at the end of 60 to church this morning, listening to a song I never heard and having it minister to my spirit and be my alarm, my shake uh, to wake moment, to be reminded that God is not done with me. God is not done with this church. We're just getting started. And there's so much for us to be excited about in our future. And those are the kinds of moments that we need to pray for in our lives. People have told me my whole life that as they pray that I'm, I want to pray. A, I pray a hedge of protection around. Anybody ever heard that one in a prayer before? Pray a hedge of protection. I remember hearing that for the first time and I was like, what is that? It's in the Bible. The Bible tells us to, to pray hedges around each other. I was like, how effective is a hedge? And shouldn't, you know, wouldn't walls be better? I mean, come on. We gotta count on fauna now to protect us? But the principle is what God's you know, trying to get at. He's like, listen, man, pray a force field around yourselves, around your, your friends and family, around your church. Pray a force field against the lies of our adversary because he's always looking for ways that he can lead us astray. It's his first ingredient. The second ingredient is hypocritical lies, candy corn. Can we all agree there's no corn in candy corn? I mean, corn's one of those empty foods anyway, but, but this, seriously, this is just sugar made to look like vegetables. That's all it is. It's a lie. It should have a warning on the bag, not really corn. But uh, we buy it and chew it up at this time of year, all year, or all, all this season, and don't think of, you know, two things about it. It says there in the text that uh, Paul says, listen, man, people are going to depart with faith because they devoted themselves to deceitful spirits and the teaching of demons through the insincerity, or the actual Greek word there is hypocrisis, through the hypocrisy of liars whose consciences are seared. Satan works through deceptive messengers. Uh, he doesn't have to just be the whisperer in your ear. He'll use the people in your lives to steer you away from God. Now, some of them are, uh, you know, doing it on purpose, some of you have friends who think you're an idiot for being a Christian and they tell you all the time and they think you should join them and whatever they're doing, especially if you're in high school or college. Anybody got some of those? Yeah, okay. But sometimes it's Christians who have been duped by the lies that Satan has told them and now they're passing them on to you. And you've got to be able to say, I don't think that's right. They might, they might be unwittingly steering you away from God, but you... You have to be able to be strong enough in what you know about the truth and clear enough and, and courageous enough to confront lies so that you don't get led astray into them. I'm guessing everyone here has at some point manipulated, uh, been manipulated by our adversary to steer people away from the God uh, that they are seeking to serve uh, and, and maybe have been used to do so unknowingly. I, I stood in front of a youth group and uh, I think I've told you this story before but I was uh, just preaching, and, and I, I try to be very careful about how I say what I say, but I, I, I'm, I'm a human. I, I mess up my, ever messed up something that you've trying to say? Okay, so, so I was in, I just did, just then. Um, but uh, I, I was trying to, you know, teach on, on evangelists, and I was talking about this one evangelist that was from the Dallas area, this guy's name was uh, Robert Tilton, and, and, uh, and so there was this funny video circulating uh, online about Robert Tilton, and it was him praying, but there was flatulence, no, it, was, it was funny, but... Uh, um, and it's youth group, okay? Can, you, can I get a pass on that? But I decided, someone said his name as I was asking what's an evangelist, and I, I made this one quick, one-off 
ha, 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 Have anybody seen the video? Ha, ha, ha. And I, and, I, and I made, you know, a noise. And then I went right on teaching. It was the only thing. It was like three sentences in my whole talk. A young lady walks up to me after the service. Our church is in Dallas where this guy's uh, headquartered. And she walks up to me after we're done. And she says, I just can't believe you did that. I was like, whoa, what are you talking about? I thought I, I, thought I nailed it this morning. I thought that was a good one. She says, I can't believe you, you made that comment about this, this evangelist. I says, oh, why? It was a funny video. He says, his, his son goes to my high school, and since he's been in this whole, you know, series of conflicts, this kid has never gone to church. I finally convinced him to come to our church, and on the morning that I brought him to your youth group, you made a comment about his dad. I don't think we got him anymore. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What's James say about this thing? can set your whole world on fire. And sometimes you don't even mean to. You don't even know you're, you're saying something. But Satan puts your mouth in gear and he uses you for all kinds of hurt. We gotta be careful. We gotta be careful, little mouths, what we say. We have gotta be careful, little ears, what we hear. We need to constantly have fact check. Snopes was one of my favorite uh, sites when I was uh, coming up on the internet. Because Snopes would be this place, whenever you got a news story, you're like, is that true? Snopes would give you the truth. Fact-checked is, is, is something that we use now during uh, you know, uh, uh, election cycles because we have no idea what these, uh, whether or not these candidates are telling us what they're really is true. Now, who's ever said this before to someone who you get in a dispute over some truth? Google that. Who's done Google that? Anybody done that? That's like a total new thing in our culture now. Where, where everything that we used to disagree about and, you know, well, agree to disagree. Now we go, well, let's let Google settle it. But And on our phones, we find out what the truth is. We need to have that same mentality when it comes to God and the things that he would lead us into. If you're not sure what you're talking about when, you, uh, when you're talking, say so. I know that's not human. Most of us like to just give the impression that we know everything. But if you're not sure, say so. I was at my life group the other morning and we were talking about Solomon and I thought Solomon was the first son of David uh, and Bathsheba. Uh, and one of our guys, Steve, corrected me and said, no, he's not. And I was like, well, I went to seminary. I'm pretty sure I'm right. <laughs> but all guys in my life group, I said, let's make sure. Someone check and then let me know. And then sure enough, there's this smart guy, at my well, smart guy, smart butt guy. Anyway, uh, but he, he's the Google that guy. And so he went on his phone while the rest of us went on with the Bible study. And he's like, you're wrong, and he, you know, he shows me the, yeah, okay. Thanks, Fitzy. Um, but that's how you need to handle things. If you're not sure about the word of God, say you're not sure. Uh, if, if, you're, if you're in a teaching, and, you, and I say something, whether by mistake or even by intent, that you're like, I don't think that's the truth. Be like the Bereans in Acts chapter 17. Remember when Paul went to Berea with Silas? He gets up in the synagogue and he's preaching all the time. And, and every night the guys uh, in, the, in the synagogue who heard Paul and Silas preaching, they'd go home and they'd consult the scriptures. All the things that they had quoted from the Old Testament scriptures, they'd say, I want to make sure Paul's right on this. And Christians need to have that mentality. Don't just blindly believe because I'm on a stage and I'm wearing a mic. Find out for yourself. Be sure. Because even unwittingly we can become... Liars, tools in the hand of the great deceiver. The last thing, we got spirit of deceit, we got hypocritical liars, and then we got a seared conscience. It says, some will depart from the faith by devoting themselves to deceitful spirits and teachings of demons uh, through the sincerity of liars whose consciences are seared. 
Uh, that word seared there is this, uh, this great word. It, it, it uh, is basically cauterizo uh, or cauterizo in Greek. What's that sound like in English? Cauterize, right? And it actually has two meanings, and I think Paul could have used either meaning, and I think maybe he meant both, but the first meaning is that we're branded. When you uh, take an animal and you brand them with the mark of your farm or your uh, ranch, uh, you're, you're, you're setting up ownership of that, that, that stock. And what, uh, what Paul is saying about liars and people who are caught in the lies of the devil is that they've almost been branded by him. He, they're theirs. Remember what he said about the religious leaders? Uh, your father is the devil. That's your house. Paul says, hey, man, if you stay in the lies too long, it's like you get branded with them. It's like you're getting branded for the other team. But it could also mean, Cotarizzo, it uh, could also mean that uh, it's kind of been burnt to the point that there's no longer any feeling. And when I see conscience after that, that's the one I think I kind of lean towards most. But uh, I think of seared conscience. I think of people who've been so duped, so uh, deep in sin that they've just come, become immune to the truth. Lies sound like the truth because they've heard them so much and have chosen to believe them. This is a dangerous spot because a seared conscience, whether it's in one area or another, it becomes a fertile field for the rest of falsehood. If you're deep into sin, it's hard to discern what truth is. I went to the men's retreat this, uh, a couple weekends ago and I, uh, on the way down, we stopped at the uh, grocery store and got you know, supplies because you gotta you know, eat and so I got a pack of these. Anybody, is this anybody else's weakness? I read the back, the ingredients, there's no food in, in Double Stuff Oreos. There's absolutely no food anywhere. Um, but for whatever reason, since I was a kid, I loved, and especially like, I, I started out with you know, the, the, the regular Oreos and then one weekend, I think an aunt brought Double Stuffs and that was it, I was done, I was like seven and it was over. I just, you know, double stuffs are my thing. You may have a different snack, uh, but if I'm gonna go away and have a good time, be on vacation, I'm buying a pack of these. Now here's the deal. Uh, these are unopened right now. And I'm fine by them. But as soon as someone takes this handy little, they're so, they're so conniving in how they make these things now. You don't even have to rip and tear, you know, like have the frustration of that. You just grab the little lifted tab and you just open it up and like angels start singing, right? <laughs> Right? And as soon as that happens, as soon as this tab get li gets lifted, I'm owned. Because here's what'll happen. I'm trying to eat better, but here's what's gonna happen if I open this stuff, and I'm not gonna open it. Don't bother. But here's what's gonna happen. I'll say one. I'll just have one. I'll just taste it. Right? But then I'll have the one, and what's gonna go through my head? Oh, that was good. And then I move forward by odd numbers. I'm going three. Skipping two, going right to three. <laughs> then I'm going to pour myself a glass of milk, and i got to have something to soak that stuff up with, so I'm going five. And pretty soon, I've done the middle row. <laughs> They've been in my house for 20 minutes, and my son Cooper comes out and is like, Whoa, Dad! Hungry? Shut up. James describes the same process for sin. There's, a, there's an enticing. There's a dragging away. There's a, a, a birth. It's how sin works. It's how lies work. We just dabble. We just start, 
and then we start getting deeper. And eventually, uh, that sin gives birth to death. And it owns you. And it's seared you to the point that you're convinced, this isn't wrong. This isn't going to hurt me. I need Oreos. I think I've actually said that sentence before. You don't need the lies that our adversary gives. What you need is someone to sound the alarm. What you need is your trough. Remember the story of the prodigal son? There's a guy that was believing some lies. Young buck comes to his dad, says, I don't need you anymore. In fact, I want everything that's coming to me. Uh, I know that I can make a better life but just going off and spending everything that you give me on the stupidest stuff in the world. I know that people will like me all the time regardless of what I have because I'm so awesome. I, I, want, the, I want the pre-story to the prodigal son uh, parable. You know, like in Star Wars where like the, the opening credits or the opening scene is that sliding pre-story of in a galaxy far, far away. I want to know what was happening in this kid's galaxy that he got to the point where he was like, I don't need my dad. I want to go. I know best. You know, he's probably thinking that all through his craziness, all through his, his partious, parties and crazy living. He was probably thinking, I'm, I'm proving myself right. I know best. Until what? Until it was all gone. And as life is wont to do, it kind of gets us in positions where we realize, hey, maybe I didn't know best. Maybe I don't know best. Maybe I'm not in control. Maybe this is way beyond me. He had to eat, so he, he found a, a pig farmer in this country that he was uh, residing in. Uh, I don't know if you ever picked up the irony in the, in the prodigal son parable there, but a Jewish boy working at a pig farm, that's kind of, you went way down on the job ladder there. Uh, he's working, uh, and it turns out that he's being uh, taken advantage of, getting some of his own medicine. Uh, he's probably not getting paid, and, and, and the only way that he can feed himself is to go to the trough, the same one that he'd filled with garbage for the pigs. And the story goes, if you haven't read it, it's in Luke 15, the story goes that this kid is leaning over the side of this, this trough, pigs on left and right, eating their slop, sitting in their mess, and he has an epiphany. The bell rings. God in his grace shakes him to wake him. And what's he say? What am I doing? The servants in my father's house are eating better than this. I got to get out of here. I got to get back home. If you don't hear anything else this morning, almost done. Lies lead you away from God. Truth leads you home. Lies will always lead you away from God, but God's truth will lead you home. Kid gets up from his trough and heads back to the house. If you remember the story, his father was waiting for him, ran out to greet him. That would be what I encourage, I would, I would encourage all of you who have been caught in lies, maybe you're still in the midst of it, I pray that this morning is your trough. That somehow, some way, God has awakened you to the truth. And that you will no longer head away from him in whatever this area is in your life that you've been choosing to head away from him in. That you'll head back home. And that you follow him. Always. Because he's just 
waiting for you. He's going to meet you on the road. He's going to give you the big hug, big party in heaven. I pray that there's someone in your life that will be courageous enough. I pray for those of you who know that someone's off the ranch. You know a prodigal, and you've been reticent, unwilling to go to them and do this. Because you're too busy. You don't want to get involved. It may affect your friendship. Oh, listen, man, the church is built on the truth. We are the foundation, the buttress of truth. We are the hope of the world because we have the truth. And if we won't tell it to each other, we cannot persist in it and be all that God calls us to be as the purveyors of his truth. So now, may you and I understand that we're in a war and our adversary, he wants us to drink the lies. May we understand the people around us, they may mean well, but sometimes they're hypocritical. They're liars, even unwittingly so. We've got to be able to check and make sure everything that they're saying is true. We need to guard against becoming a burnt stake in life and thinking that we know the truth when we don't, and we need to be open to those times where God would send us our alarm bells, the people in life who will shake us to wake us, and then we need to be ready when God wants to send us to other people to be their alarm so that together we can be in the truth, we can grow in the truth, we can proclaim the truth and propel the truth forward and be the church that God has called us to be. Amen? That's my prayer for us right now. Let's pray. God, thanks so much for a chance to open your word and just to talk about this uh, unholy recipe. Uh, We're all subjected to it because the noise is constant from our adversary, because our flesh is weak, and we uh, are easily duped by the lies uh, that we hear around us. Uh, We are um, just a choice away from being seared in our consciences. Our sin is ever ready to pounce and to make us its slave. So here's my prayer for everybody here, God. If we've been enslaved, would you ring the bell this morning? Would you lead us home? If we know people who have been enslaved, would you give us courage uh, to lovingly speak the truth to them so that they can come home? Would you build a hedge around every person and around this church, God, triple the force field, keep the lives of your adversary from steering us away from you and make us, God, beacons of your light and of your truth for the world around us, I pray in Jesus' name, amen.